What is up, listeners? This week we checked out episodes three and four of Common Rider Zero One. And I'm James Baker, and I'm your newcomer. So, hey, what's up, James? Not much, man. Just got done playing Batman Arkham Knight, which is an awesome game that I'm five years late to the party for. Maybe more. <laughs> but it's an awesome game. Yeah, I haven't played any of those games past Arkham Asylum, which I really liked. Oh, it says this uh, game came out in 2015, so shit, seven years ago. No, five years. It's actually uh, free in the PlayStation Store. If any of you guys are listening and you are a PS4 gamer, you should definitely download it as soon as possible. No, yeah. Um, I know that there were three or four games in that series, and I just couldn't keep up because they got so big. Like I just like a nice contained game, personally. Yeah, this one feels like it's a quick uh, run-through game. Like It'll probably take me like six hours to beat, but uh, I guess... Uh, people started complaining about the games being too short and that's why they made it a little bit bigger. So where do you rank that on just kind of like your versions of Batman? Cause there have been like a few Batman and I, um, it definitely did start out like pretty, like you're seeing like every single villain and like, they seem pretty close to like their like most common version. Like they're like, like, this is like a very Joker Joker. That's like, just like the, like the closest almost to like our main thought of what Joker is, for example, like, um, I'm still pretty early in the game. I've probably played only an hour so far and I'm a huge Batman fan. And the guy that's doing a voice acting in this game is pretty phenomenal. Uh, I really like it, but, uh, the game started off with you and, incarcerating uh the joker which was kind of odd i'm like i don't know what the hell is going on with that but it was like a uh flash forward so i'm looking forward to seeing what's going on and then uh it introduces scarecrow and uh poison ivy and those are the only villains that i've really met in so far but uh scarecrow in this game is pretty sick i've never really seen him in a position to be a a major boss character he's always been kind of like a side boss but uh, in this game, it kind of feels like he's calling a shot. So that's a really interesting take on Gotham. And uh, I like it so far. So something I've been looking at this week um, that is definitely on brand uh, for us or for me, I guess, is um, I've actually been trying to finish up a like Common Rider show that I stopped partway through like watching. So what I'm trying to finish up is um, Common Rider Ryuki, which is one of the most like renowned or talked about shows in the franchise, and that I've like only just gotten around to looking at. How is it? It's a uh, it's, it's interesting. Um, so like this is kind of the first show where you had like outside of a few select scenes, common rider versus common rider conflict, or like common riders who weren't heroes. 
like okay. expressly there's some stuff going on like serial killers or i'm just doing this for money or i'm a like rich kid who thinks it's fun to kill people kind of thing that sounds like really mature content yeah this show definitely um like this franchise in general can do that but this show is like okay let's look at so <sighs> i wasn't expecting to say this today but um so this show is like reportedly or like came out recently inspired by like 911 which yeah yeah um just real quick what do you think i'm gonna say <laughs> i have no idea where this is going <laughs> let's get this sounds like it's about to be really bad <laughs> so this is the third of like the new era of common rider the first two um were dark like you had stuff like oh the monsters in the series are playing a game where they have to kill 1500 people without touching the ground or like in this game like there's like more gory or monster stuff happening this show um is much more like um what was like said to relate it to 9-11 was uh that um after that happened the producers wanted to kind of show like a story about like the nature of goodness and what it means to be good in like a world where it it just felt like there was like a loss of real innocence or like trust so like there are characters that are like police officers who are just trying to like maneuver people so that they can gain wealth there are characters that are like lawyers who don't really care about justice that kind of thing hmm how many yeah. seasons ago was this oh, this is like two, um probably 18 years ago now oh God. like two yeah, like, like 2002, 2003. From my knowledge of you helping me out with being a newcomer, like all the clips you sent me, everything from like, you know, 15 plus years ago seems really, really like adult content. It doesn't really seem like the kitty vibe you get in present day Kamen Rider stuff. It depends. Um, they're definitely, things have gotten like a little like louder, like a little brighter. And like, there's definitely like, more toys they're trying to sell but also like there's still like i don't think for example that all the characters we've met are going to make it out of even this quarter of the show alive for example what like there like there have been some shows uh okay so <laughs> i'm glad you told me that because that shit would have caught me off guard <laughs> there was a show like a few years ago that gave people a lot of whiplash because um in its christmas episode it was like the first 18 minutes were like um oh no we have to stop this person from like invading computers i think that were at like a christmas mall so then like oh no, oh we um put like a santa hat like on like the main rider and they fought him but then like all of a sudden this character was like in the rain, like accusing someone of, of like being evil. And the person was like, you're damn right. And just murdered them. Oh and they like God. died in the rains in the arms. On of a like Christmas episode? Character. Yeah. Holy shit. That's crazy. That will happen sometimes. Like 
I think that we're definitely going to see some casualties. Like there have been shows where like the tone has changed drastically from the first couple episodes. Like there have been like some that have been like downright post-apocalyptic at times. Hmm. Yeah. Like this is this show that we're watching has had like a pretty brisk pace and like quickly going through things that might've been like taken over like a longer period of time in other seasons. So I'm kind of wondering if we're going to reach a point where it's like, oh, something happened and now the world has changed drastically. Can't wait, man. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's like as much as there might be like, let's show some toys and characters. They also are not precious about those at all. Okay, I had no idea it was like that because, you know, uh, certain shows characters have like extreme plot armor. So that's kind of refreshing to hear or kind of reassuring to hear that uh the potential of uh not saying i want main characters to die i'm just against extreme plot armor so that's kind of interesting that they are willing to take risk like that kind of like that but no um so that show is one that <clears throat> has like a large looming shadow because it's like um like the first show um had this uh, concept called the rider war which comes up later on where there's just a lot of common riders and they have factions or they're fighting and we kind of see that a little bit in the show that we're watching like there's 13 riders in the show that i'm watching about eight of them have been killed off at this point and there's like 10 episodes left wow (laughs) yeah so that's kind of that's wild all right should we move over to our recap section yeah let's get to it so common writer zero one episode three what were your thoughts on the show over overall thoughts of episode three uh, I thought it was a really solid episode. You could definitely see that they're uh, moving in the right right direction with this one. Um, I'm loving the concept of how to keep showing uh, the urn for the human gears to be human. And uh, mm-hmm. the sushi chef, Nigurio, I guess that's how you say his name, the robot yeah. chef, was one of my favorite characters of the whole show. I really liked his uh, his quest to make this guy happy and try to be his successor uh to be uh taking over the shop uh, he was a really good actor yeah i really like this guy he's one of my favorite characters of the whole uh episode so here i feel like we're kind of stepping into like what like the flow of the show is going to be like that our main two like going out to help different human gear relate to the world and like prove just kind of their like heart and their value. And um, like, once again, it's like really, it's really cool that um, this so far hasn't been a like labor issue, like robots taking our jobs. It's much more of a, there are people in these roles. Are they people basically? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is really interesting. I really like, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, you nailed it um, by saying that because um, one of the quotes that stood out during this episode was that it's all about, it's all up to humans to decide how to live with human gears. Like, it's all about, you know, humans deciding to coexist with the human gears because they're not really going anywhere at this point. And I think um, they've been very careful in, like, it's like uh, there's times where you can tell this is a, like a like show for kids and times where you're like, this is a show for adults, like using like a sushi chef as like your way to go. Like that's something that like we do like associate with like 
heart, labor, soul, passion. And like, that's a very good way to kind of make the point of this is beyond just technical capability. Yeah, like the efforts that he put into like, put it into passion to making the sushi and him being able to take orders like a human would without really having the, uh, I guess the, the sushi guy's problem was that his family was taking it the wrong way. Like they couldn't really take the criticism. But uh, Nigarigo, his programming was able to take the criticism in a positive note. Like he was he was willing to go to like the extra mile to learn how to make the sushi the way that he wanted him to. I really liked um, parts where he was saying things like, can I download a heart or don't worry, you can't break my heart because I don't have one. Yeah, and that's just sh- like, ah, oh. those parts kind of had me like, you know, doing uh, the sad face because, you know, like he doesn't really I think he said, uh, what is it? Can can so become data? Yeah. And that, I was like, that is so deep because that kind of reminds me of one of my favorite films, Ex Machina. And. Mm-hmm another one uh called her and uh the common thing in these two films were that uh m- machines or technology or ai or however you want to word it they really are trying to figure out what it means to be human and a big difference between being human and from what we get from machines is that it's consciousness and they don't really know what consciousness is like they have no idea what it means to have a conscious they just know do this and do that. So that's really interesting that this episode went that far to uh, put that on display. And often like um, something used to put down like kind of um, to put down like AI is the like thought that, um, well, they're just completing tasks and that they aren't actually doing anything but completing tasks that they are designed to complete. And that's like one of those things that when it's like put, when you see the joy in their faces, when they make people laugh or make people sushi, there's this kind of breakdown of that whole point of, well, Maslow's like going from your needs. Um, the Maslow hierarchy of needs like starts with like things that we need to do to survive, like eat and goes to being actualized. And that like, when we see the joy on like their faces, they're being actualized. Like we're seeing people having joy in excelling at something in doing a task for other people. And that's like where it's definitely going towards like, let's see if we can really barrel down on like what heart and soul is, which is really interesting here. Yeah. Very interesting. This is actually one of my favorite episodes so far. I know we're like really early into the show, but I could already tell that this is an episode that I would probably never forget during this whole run. And something that like I really like appreciate here um, is that um, Kamen Rider has a mixed history. Well, not has a bad history with female writers. Um, it wasn't until like that show that I like mentioned actually, um, like from like 2002, like Kamen Rider um, Ryuki was the first show to have a female writer. And there's been maybe like seven or eight over the course of the intervening 18 years mm-hmm. of the like 200 introduced and between them they maybe have like 30 combined episodes of screen time so like 
to see like Yua, um, who is an early female common writer, is like cool. It's really great, but also like she's not just there. Like we see that like for Aruto, he's saying human gear are as important as people. They are living. They have hearts. We see him looking at this. Um, then we see like Hisamu saying they are dangerous. You're playing tennis with grenades kind of thing. We need to destroy them. And then to have her come in and say, I am also a part of this like um, conversation. I think they are tools that need to be used, but also like she says things like they can be restored from data that discounts everything they've learned and felt and grown from like all the heart that they have developed in living, which like is really cool that she gets to have her own kind of point on this whole debate on what makes a human. Right. And I feel like her point of view is the most interesting take on the whole concept of human gears during this episode, because, uh, she seems like the smartest person in the room at all times. <laughs> and Definitely. she's she's always aware of what's going on. And I feel like she's operating on a whole different frequency. And uh, I guess we'll get to the part towards the end <laughs> that happened at the end of this episode uh, later in the discussion. But uh, right now we're just talking about her as a character. And uh, it, was kind of, it's, it really caught me off guard. You said this is uh, one of the few uh, female writers because... She's actually a more well-developed character already than Arotu and Azamu to me. She feels like she she knows what she's doing. She know she has a mission and she's going to stick to it. And she doesn't really seem to get Azamu's uh, point of view. Like it feels like she's getting frustrated working with him because she's level-headed and he's just acting off emotions all the time. Absolutely. Um. Next episode, like, there's like a fight scene with both of them, and um, there's a point where he just like grabs her by the back of the neck so he can like get to the fight. Yeah, it's <laughs> like okay, whoa. <laughs> He's like so irrational. <laughs> I um, so I'm like, I sometimes will dabble in some philosophy. So like, how much do you know like about like Kant? Kant? Uh, yeah, like Immanuel Kant. Uh, not much. So something that he talks about is that, um, when we look at people, the ethical, the moral way to do that is to look at people as ends in themselves and not means. And what that means is don't think of somebody merely as like a transaction. This is a person who can get me this. Like, sure. We have transactions all the time, but also to say that there is inherent value to people regardless of what they can do for you basically hmm. and i feel like um she's definitely um coming in and saying that human gear aren't people because they are not ends in themselves they're merely tools like they're mere, like they're merely ways to get a job done what their thoughts are what their enjoyment of who they are doesn't matter and you see like very clearly that that's something that our main protagonist like does not agree with. Like when Aruto is thinking, can they have a heart? Do they matter? He's saying, well, yeah, I might not be able to convince people, but we see him kind of like 
he's interacting with these different writers and different people. And what he's doing is like, he's kind of taking this all in, like all these truths. Okay. They are created to be useful. They are dangerous. How do I still hold on to my core belief that they matter? And it's really cool because like we're seeing that very slowly kind of form. And like, I can't wait till we reach a point where he's maybe able to really articulate or convince somebody with what he's able to come to from all these inputs while still believing that. Yeah, he's not giving up on the human gears at all. Like no matter how destructive they may seem or how unhuman they seem, he's going to bat for these guys. And uh, I, I really like him as a, as the main character of this of this uh, of this show so far. He's really grown on me. He was kind of annoying at first, but mm-hmm. as the episodes progress, progress, he gets more serious, less jokey. Uh, that's one thing that I've noticed so far. I do think too that like sometimes you just need to have like your main character maybe not be the most interesting character. Mm-hmm. Like just let them be the straight man. Yeah. Um, I do actually like just to um to uh to call back to some of the performances. They have a lot of good human gear performances in this show. Like um, a lot. Like that chef's really good. Last episode, like Mamoru, like the like guard was really good. Um, I really like Izu. She's really funny at times. Yeah, she's beautiful, funny. She <laughs> she's everything, man. That scene where they were watching uh, the clip of the secret like sushi technique, and then she was just like jumping in the background to try and see. Mm-hmm. That was real good. And um, Chester, uh, the um, other, the um, the vice president Jun's robot. There's like a scene in this episode like where they're talking about like what Aruto's doing, and then he starts laughing. And then his lackey starts laughing, and then she starts laughing, which is like ha 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 ha. Yeah. It's like okay, that's pretty. This funny. is great. <laughs> yeah, and I'm loving how uh, Izu is uh, trying to decode Aruto's or Aruto's uh, jokes. Like she's like yeah. breaking them down to a science and putting her her own spin onto it. I'm loving that so far. In that point too, where um, like. Um, like I think uh, the um, like chef sees the um, he sees Negro's like um, like using that secret technique, and he's like, "Okay, go do it ten thousand more times." And it's like, "Well, um, like he seems mad," and then like she needs to be told, "No, he's not mad. He's just sounding mad to kind of prove his point or to like like to like it." express his feeling mm-hmm. which was like really cool to hear yeah i thought that was really interesting as well so one thing i did want to talk about was um i do like the villains too despite the fact that they've had very little characterization yeah they had more screen time these last two episodes and did they change their name okay so <laughs> yes i was so, like what's going on here their Metsubu, their Jinra.net. That translates to like Extinction Thunderclap or Thunderclap Extinction. The first two episodes we watched, they translated that as Thunderclap Extinction. Um, we're watching the overtime sub. 
Um, and they translated that as just Metsubo like Jinra here. So that's the same thing. It's just, it got translated literally, and now they're like, uh, it's not, it sounds better oh, that way, I guess. Oh, okay. I got you. Um, so what did you think of the opening, actually? Because we see that for the first time in episode three. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, but one thing, like, with anime intros and this intro in itself, there's so many spoilers in it. Like, <laughs> you yeah. see all the writers, you see characters you've never seen yet, you put, you put faces to them, like... During this episode, we finally see uh, Yua turn into a Kamen Rider. Uh, if you didn't see the intro, that might have caught you off guard. But uh, yeah, it was it's really cool because uh, the song was uh, catchy. Uh, the visuals were really cool, but I enjoyed the intro though. But it's just it was just filled with spoilers. I always think that's funny. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we did get two, technically three riders spoiled in the intro. <laughs> you be I was like, it's five? I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't want to see this. <laughs> no, but it was like a really good like tone piece too of like, then find this army, like here's her crying, that kind of thing. And like I, um, one part that I really liked um, was they show that like scene of like, and here's like the vice president, like side character and his like portrait falls off. And you <laughs> yeah. see there's like a new portrait for like, for Aruto where he's just making like a troll face basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and like, that was, it's like actually like really funny to me that he'd get like a portrait that was just like his joke face basically. Yeah. And I was also trying to decode your theory based off of uh, this intro too. Uh, like the flash sequence between uh, Aruto's grandfather, his father, and then him. I was trying to notif- notice if they're like trying to like give us subtle clues about you know maybe him being a Humagear. But uh, I thought that was kind of interesting how they had like the flash towards down to him. Yeah, maybe there's something and like there it wasn't broken up or anything. Like it was just a direct line. Yeah, I think it's hard to know because it's only episode like four that we've gotten to they could both be major characters in the show in like flashbacks or whatever and we couldn't know yet yeah i have no clue but yeah like it's it's like a solid opening i think what do you think of uh the so like the main thrust here is that there is a new shrimp themed magier made mm-hmm. um or like shrimp bug whatever yeah like tentacle and, right yeah. Yeah. So I like that first fight scene. Was it a shrimp or a squid? I I don't know. I think it was a squid. I, I'm gonna check actually. Um, I could be wrong. I just it looks like just the way like he kept saying like tentacles. Like I don't like shrimp don't really have tentacles. You know what I mean? It kind of looked like a water bug. Uh, okay. To me, uh, yeah, it, it's hard because sometimes like they like stylize the names. <laughs> it's an extinct cephalopod. Let's see what this looks like. It kind of just looks like a sausage thing. <laughs> yeah, but the oh uh, yeah, it's kind of like a mollusk. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, but the Magyar, uh suits are keep getting better and better with this show like i'm really getting impressed with like every suit so far that first fight was 
pretty fun. I thought like just seeing like like um, both riders fighting, but also like you see like um, Zero One go in and just like not really processing that Vulcan might be shooting at him. <laughs> yeah, because like he he shot at the Magir and then he shot at him, which is pretty funny. Um, his new attack is pretty dope too. The uh, briefcase slash. Yeah, like I guess if you're gonna have like your main character be a CEO and his sword be a briefcase, you have to have like a reason for him to have it in briefcase mode or whatever mm-hmm. for the toy. But I um liked when he uh, got wrapped up in those tentacles, made his best joke of the show, and then. As he was like jumping away, got shot at, and then thanked him for like shooting off the tentacles. Yeah, he was like, "You got to be squidding me." I was like, "Really?" <laughs> that was his best joke of the so- the show so far for sure. <laughs> you got to be squidding me. Is that what you- the one you're talking about? Uh, no, like he said, like um, like I'm like tentacle, or like that's tentacle or something. Oh yeah, he kept saying he make- kept making puns on the uh, on the tentacles. But uh, yeah, that that was my favorite part though when he said you gotta be squid me. But that was funny too. That's a good one. Um, like it, it was cool to see him talking in his suit and having like a little bit more personality because he was very badass the first two episodes, but didn't really show too much of his non-writer persona. So it was cool to see him be like a little more jokey or like clumsy mm-hmm. here. So what do you think of um our new writer? Uh, Tom Valkyrie. Yep. You are. Uh, I would say she's a lot better than the uh, than Azuma's. <laughs> I liked her better. And uh, I like how she was like, that's how you get the job done. I kind of like how she put that out there. And, you know, like she's more efficient with her uh, her killing and more precise with everything. And he's more reckless, like I said earlier. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, she's he- hella fast. <laughs> Her her fight choreography was really good as well, and um, I thought it was interesting that she has a gun as well. But uh, I guess since they're AIMS agents, uh, yeah, that, that's why she has a gun. I guess that's like part of their uniform or part of their uh, tactics. What'd you think of it? She was like um, hitting boxes towards people, running up walls and stuff. Like she felt very much like she was using her like surroundings and doing lots of small like agile things with being able to move that fast that i thought were really cool for her um she definitely did feel like she'd been doing this like slightly one cool thing to note um is that if you notice she put in her like key into her like belt and then it authorized and she flipped it in like the gun I think this whole time he just hasn't realized he can do that, and that's why he's like ripping the key open every time and screaming. I was wondering like why he's like always like forcing his his uh, pro guy's key. He's like gonna break it eventually. <laughs> but uh, okay, that kind of explains it. Uh, her her final attack is pretty good too. The rushing dash attack. Yeah, I really like that they're having these like pronounced finishers that's not really a thing in common rider so it's like a cool okay n- like new addition here yeah and it kind of makes you want to like memorize everything like even <laughs> like when he's like 
you know, grasshopper comes from the sky with a dropping kick. I kind of like want to memorize like everything he's like they say whenever they like transform. I think it's pretty dope how they do that. <laughs> no, guys, like a like fan. Um, things have gotten on eBay a lot sooner and a lot cheaper, but not cheap. Like they're cheap enough where you can look at them and be like, ah, oh, should I really spend like twenty eight dollars on this thing? Oh, there's merch the out already. Oh yeah, there's like oh. um, belts and like keys. Whoa. Like there's lots of keys. Uh, I'm like, shopping like, after this pot. <laughs> I need some. Yeah, merch. usually like like you can like spend like um, twenty bucks and get one of the keys or something like that. Like if you like just want one. And they also sell like premium stuff. Like if like a character's wearing like a sweatshirt or like a ring, they'll have that for like two hundred dollars on their website. Okay. But like just on like plain Amazon, there's lots of like the like plain toy stuff. Yeah, I'm browsing right now. They got the uh, the uh, Aruto's Kamen uh, Rider fit for like thirty bucks. That's not bad. I put that on my desk. Yeah. Put this in my cart. <laughs> And um, what happens here, though, is that uh, the um, shrimp basically um, infects like a ton of the um, local human gears, including um, Nagiro. And um, he like went him... in with it, too. Like he just went through like windows, went through. Yeah. Like he just took everybody out at the same time. <laughs> and they lose sight of him and they lose him, which um, which puts to rest like our thought from last time where we were like, did Mamoru survive or whatever? It seems like they're just replacing with the same model mm-hmm. from when they were born, I guess. Yeah, that was definitely explained during this uh, episode for sure. You're like, they could just be brought back. That's what uh, um, Yua said. She like, she doesn't care like they die or not. She's like, they could be brought back. <laughs> She's a savage. But also, like, it's not like they're being brought back. It's just they're getting, like, a blank model with that face, which... Yeah, it's not is, the same. It's a different thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so one other major thing that happened was um, after the first fight, they um, like had to make, like, a new key for, like, a new form to counteract this Magyar. And that was the shark one. And um, first off, I do want to say that scene where they're in the office when like that key gets made on his desk. He had like a star of David, but like neon, it was the weirdest little thing. It was like a like Daft Punk star of David or something. I, I didn't know what to make of it. I missed that. So what do you think of his new form? Uh, I liked his attacks. I wasn't a fan of how it looked like, uh, the neon color is still growing on me. And then you throw in a blue neon color. It's kind of like, ah. But uh, his attacks are really, really good. Some of my favorite of the uh, of its attacks so far. Mm-hmm, like, and um, that fight scene is pretty cool, too. I love just, like, something, like, that you'll see is they're not afraid to get these suits dirty. Like, in water, like, later on, they're, like, just covered in dust. And it's just like, okay, like, you're willing to really get in this, which is nice. I um like how the suit kind of like opened up like it kept some of the yellow like it was like oh like you're coming into this form like it's not like it was all blue and like it like had parts of the new suit like the 
arm blades come from the um, old suit. But yeah. Yeah, and I would say it caught me off guard. I didn't really go into the show thinking that he was going to have modifications to his suit. So whenever they did bring up ways to kind of like counter-react to the opponent, I'm a big fan of like RPGs. So it's kind of like if somebody's water, you want to use, you know, like maybe rock or something that can't really be damaged by fire. Or if uh, enemies water you, or if enemies fire, use water. I like kind of like how they have that concept going on. And hopefully they keep modifying this uh, suit anytime they encounter like another villain. And uh, I know it happened in episode four. I just hope it keeps going on and on. I kind of like that because I'm the kind of person that I won't say I get bored with like the same attack over and over, but I do like how they're showing us right here in episode three that you could expect like a maybe a different special attack every few episodes. I kind of like that. I do like that he has like this um, part like shredder like cutting form, but also like an aquatic form. Like like we didn't really see it here, but I'm sure later on they'll be like, oh, you have to go like fight like in like this like bay. Uh-huh. And like this is the form you're going to use, which is always fun. They don't use them a ton, but I like whenever it's like, well, this forms for water. Like that just makes sense to me. It's like, okay. Yeah. And I wonder if uh, we'll see his bike get some kind of modification to it as well, or if it's just his suit that, you know, could change forms. That depends. You never really know if these shows, like there's some shows where like um, the main rider gets like a new form and their bike gets like a half of it comes off and like the back half is now like a jet ski or something, but it depends. Okay. Um, I did like um, how his, his finisher was really cool. Yeah. That shop. A biting impact. <laughs> That's what it was called. Because, uh, like the like original show, like writer had like one suit, but he had multiple attacks. It was like rider kick, rider punch, rider chop, and this was like okay, like each form is gonna have something like that. That looks good. And like overall, I um liked this episode. We got a pretty cool new writer. We got her perspective. She feels like an important character to this show. Like. She's not just going to be like a one-off or like mm-hmm. not matter to the overall arc. Um, we got like a new form and we got like a really cool continual look into what they're doing with what is humanity and soul and heart. So like overall, like I'd say this is a really solid episode, especially for just episode three, which could totally be a point where they just kind of phone it in. Yeah, and let's not forget the main part that happened at the end when she reported to this mystery guy with information. I was like, whoa! So is she like a double agent? What do you think is going on? I don't know, because that guy was young looking. Oh, actually, that was episode four, right? No, that was this episode. Oh, okay. She like showed her phone to get her order to Nagiro, and Nagiro... um, actually got like spyware so saw that they had like that progress key which they're not supposed to have at all mm-hmm. and then like was talking to that dude so, so i don't know so let's let, let's try to figure out who this guy is do you think he's uh against the human gears or do you think he has his own plans for how the world should be what do you think is going on i mean um you was one of the smartest people in the room and if she's reporting to this guy this means that you know I'm pretty sure he's a writer as well. I'm not sure which one of the writers 
that he is of the suits that we've seen so far, but I'm pretty sure he's uh, pretty powerful. But what do you think his uh, his uh, his views are? Um, he totally could be a writer that we don't know. There are totally shows where they bring in people at like episode 36 hmm. that have their own like belt and their own suit. And they're like, hey, what's up? I'm your dad. Oh no, my dad's here. <laughs> okay. So he so he doesn't have to be an intro to to be a uh, a writer. Yeah, that'll like change over time and like to the point on suits. Chances are like main dudes probably gonna have like five or six suits, and then they'll go into like upgrades, like a super form, that kind of stuff. Oh, that's exciting! I didn't know that. I kind of thought I was gonna stay with the same suit the whole season. Like his main form will still be useful, but like there's totally an arc where he might get two or three upgrades on like just like here's like your final form here's like your like super form or whatever blah, blah, blah. awesome the only thing we know is the like ones we've seen so far oh sweet that's exciting but there are a couple possibilities but two things to point out is one the wristband the guy was wearing like the watch looked like the ear things that the human gears are wearing it had like that same kind of blue design so i'm wondering if he has some kind of special power or device that like relates him to like the like satellite stuff going on because we saw this episode that uh metsubu like jinrani like bad guys were talking about the arc being reborn and that kind of stuff i'm wondering if he's some kind of maybe like ceo or like government official for like another company that's involved because next episode we see them talking about several companies that were involved in making the city full of human years 12 years ago Mm -hmm. and we also know that like progress keys are supposed to be like gotten rid of or banned and it's like a big deal that like they have any even not knowing that like he's like a common writer so i'm wondering if he's some kind of person that's in some moderation role who has access to like the old progress keys or like the old armors or whatever and is like hmm something's going on i'm gonna keep tabs i don't know what do you think um i honestly don't know um i think i think like you said i think he is a ceo he's definitely somebody powerful um my my guess would be that he has something to do with daybreak but I don't really get evil, sinister vibes from him. I get like he's running his own operation to uh, maybe reset everything. I think it's kind of like one of those, especially with the views that you has of like, oh, that we could just bring them back. Like, I'm pretty sure he's the reason why she thinks like that. I don't know. That's just me thinking. Like maybe he's a CEO for another company who's trying to with someone like you, I just say, how can we best use these tools? How can we best use human gear? Okay. Like, yeah. I think that, I think he kind of wants to reset everything and have his, has his own spin on it. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's move on to episode four. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. Episode four. What were your thoughts on this episode? 
I love that it started off with, you know, talking about Daybreak because this is like one of my things that I want to get to the bottom of with this show is just figure out what exactly happened in Daybreak. And for them to start an episode off with that and also another really good uh, mo- or Huma Gear performance by the, the bus lady, uh, she was really good in this episode as well. Um, but uh, I love how it started. Um, towards the end, we finally got... Uh, Aruto and uh, Azuma finally meeting eye to eye, and Azuma finds out that Aruto uh, is a common rider. I thought that was kind of interesting in seeing how that relationship goes from here. Um, but overall, uh, has some really cool fight sequences. Another good uh, Magir suit design, which is probably my favorite of the show so far. The uh, Anuko, the bat design, I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. But uh, I really liked Anna in this episode. She was great. Yeah, Anna, the bus lady. She was really, really good. And uh, at the end, when they turned into a Magyar, her facial expression was like intense. Like that was like some award winning facial expression whenever she got turned into one. But she was a really good actress. And just um, not much screen time, but really shout out to the uh, bus driver that gets turned into the bat sideburns. Those were intense. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was like um, Chris Farley in like Billy Madison sideburns. <laughs> that was, <laughs> was real good. Uh-huh. But no, um, I really liked this episode. It was strong. It just had more forms. It's like they're definitely trying to get out and show like the kids watching. Here's like all these things to buy that kind of stuff but also like they're making them work in the plot like this feels very tight usually it would be a while in a show before we actually go to daybreak city or like at least get some amount of understanding of what daybreak was but yeah it was like a really strong really tense and makes me want to see like partially what's the show gonna do is it gonna run through its conspiracy and then like have the world be taken over by machines and have the last 30 episodes be about that. I don't know what it's going to do. Yeah. I'm not sure either. Um, but, uh, I could tell like the, a really big focus point they want to do is like trying to, un- trying to solve this mystery. What's going on? Like the kid was getting picked on about his dad, supposedly causing daybreak. And I thought it was really cool towards the end that he was actually the guy that saved <laughs> a lot of people from what could have possibly happened by, you know, taking his own self out. And uh, the kid actor is pretty good as well. Mm-hmm. I was just a little confused why the hell Az- uh, Azuma was taking the kid to Daybreak. I was like, that's going to be really dangerous for him. But uh, the guys took care of the kid and uh, everything worked out. I think it might be partially like a cultural thing sometimes because like sometimes like you get like this like idea I forget the actual name of this but like of like um leaving the home or going on like a journey of like it's like a thing in Japan like oh you're like four years old and your sister's three you should probably go get bread and celery at the like at the store just to like go on this adventure and prove you can. And like, there's been like one movie for Kamen Rider uh, was like a crossover movie, which happens every December. And they like went back in time to when one of the characters was like eight. And there's just a scene where he like 
puts together like a samurai sword and goes to like fight ghosts and you're like wait as an eight-year-old he's, he's eight. Oh shit well that kind of <laughs> explains everything to me now because uh i'm a huge fan of like studio ghibli and a lot of their movies revolve around kids just being on their own like one of my favorite ones my neighbor totoro like you have these two little girls just on their own pretty much the whole movie like their father's in it sometimes but he's barely there and they just get lost and go on adventures and everything and that seems to be a concept when uh in the studio ghibli films and now it makes sense i didn't know that was like a cultural thing so that's cool and like i'm sure like it's partially is like a you should see the truth like you're like a young man like he's like what like 13 or 14 mm-hmm. you can see the truth like I'll protect you, whatever. Like they're still looking out for the kid. I'm like, go. But it's also just like, okay, we're going to look out for go. But also he has expressed his desire to be a part of this. Let's respect that. Which like is still something that like happens in like a lot of cultures. Like lots of movies like have that kind of stuff. Just I think there's definitely like uh, might be a little bit more incentive towards not using the kid gloves for that kind of danger, maybe. Yeah, and it made sense. Like, you know, the kid's been getting picked on, and he wants to know the truth, too. Um, what's a better way for him to find the truth rather than go there and see it for himself versus, you know, they go there and come back and say, no, your father was actually a hero. I'm pretty sure that meant more to him to see uh, the video of his dad, you know, saving uh, most of humanity. And also, like... um I think we're not supposed to think that like Isamu is a great role model. <laughs> he's super impulsive. He's super violent. He's like super abrasive. It's partially just like, well, he did this thing. Nobody super agrees with him, but we weren't going to stop him. So we just supported him. Yeah. His, uh, his suit modification during this episode, the, uh, the punching, uh, punching King suit, punching oh, yeah. Kong suit, that's more of his personality. He just needs to wear that. <laughs> just punch everything and break everything. That's more his personality. But um, I definitely like the suit for sure. It was a beautiful yeah, suit. Yeah, a strong one. I also um, like the um, New Zero One like Flying Falcon suit. Oh, yeah. That was pretty sick, too. And the fighting style, when they're like fighting in the air, bouncing off and stuff like that, was very DBZ-like uh, for me. Uh, it kind of reminded me of Dragon Ball Z and how they like fight in the sky and you have the person on the ground showing their POV of their fight in the sky. I thought that was very reminiscent of that. I like, um, we've talked about how like this is like, a, this isn't the same budget as like an Avengers. Like you're not going to see like that kind of like CGI and like it won't look as good, which like totally happened here. But also something you don't see in a lot of those big budget like fights in the air is actual like choreography or interacting with like their surroundings which happened in this fight which made it like as much as it might have been like some clear greens like screen like in in spots or whatever it felt like a really strong aerial fight yeah it was a really really good aerial fight for sure i i had wrote that out in my notes um yeah it was a really cool scene i enjoyed it in that um first fight the like partially working together partially (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like fighting each other uh where um you have vulcan and valkyrie or like both both fighting like the uh the like bat magir that was a good fight how did you feel about the uh the reveal 
when Azuma found out Aruto's true identity? I was kind of split because what they did in episode two with the smoke and like the like hole in like that shipping container was really cool. It also it like wasn't super common writer to be like, here's like a very Batman Spider-Man like thing, like with your, they keep their identities a secret and they don't benefit from like what they're doing monetarily or like whatever. Like it's meant to be like a, like sacrifice that they're being heroes. Mm-hmm. But also like it's never felt super like you're trying to hide your identity the same way it might in like other in like Western comics, for example. Yeah. It wasn't like a Spider-Man or Superman type thing. Like he was going out of his way to keep it a secret. It kind of felt like, uh, it was just, wasn't the right time. And I was kind of torn with it as well, but I feel like the reason why they went ahead and got it out of the way, because, uh, they wanted their main character to be there at the big moment when they found out what happened behind Daybreak. Because even uh, Aruto sometimes go through thoughts of, was my dad or was my grandfather the reason why this happened? And I guess he had to be there too to see the truth. And f- for him to be there without a suit or for him to just randomly be there just didn't make sense story-wise. They could have done like a, in the 80s, like you you had like um in the comics for iron man like oh he's my bodyguard and he's just around when i'm in danger like that's like their whole like thing but like i think it was a actually a cool character moment though for him to just say screw having a secret i want to prove that i'm committed to knowing the truth and to finding justice with you mm-hmm. which is cool for him to kind of make that show of kind of solidarity with like isamu and that's why they did it. And I think that was like a good reason. And um, so one thing I did like here was um, we get to see like um, the moment with Yua where she says, you can't be here. Also, here's this thing that like you're probably not strong enough to use. Like it was very much like a unsupportive supportive kind of like it felt like a strong relationship note for her to be there but not be there for like for like uh him in that moment yeah Yeah, she kind of lets him do do his own thing but she's there just in case he uh he needs her like that line um actually today like i'm off the clock where he like rips off like his tie i was like that's that's corny as shit (laughs) yeah that was funny so far he's maybe he makes sense and he's like playing into type like um like for being the he's the second writer he's kind of an anti-hero or like anger like or like traumatized he can be rather antagonistic but i do think isamu is maybe the weakest of the writers we have Uh, i think so too and like he might grow on us but it's a weird case where he might also be like the most charming off screen. Cause I guess he's like a let's player. Yeah. And like, he's like on like YouTube all the time and he's like, has posted like reaction videos to memes of his character where like people 
photoshopped him struggling to open like a bag of chips like instead of like his key for example and like, he's just like on there like oh this is great okay so this is outside the show uh yeah it is yeah and it kind of sucks like for the show wise like i said uh our last episode i was kind of into his character like you know like the rogue like kind of like sasuke and naruto or like the the guy that's like against the grain but he's not really selling it for me in this episode um my favorite writer so far is uh yua she's my favorite so far yeah she's great she's complicated yeah i kind of like that i do think that um there's a chance though that they're going to do more with him because like the rough sense i get is that you're gonna have Arto who is going to be good aligned then you have like yua and like asamu who are are going to fall in that middle area. And then like, there's the two others, um, Hirobi and Jin, who we know from the opening are going to be common writers who definitely don't seem anything but more evil aligned. I do think that, um, there's definitely going to be more conflict. There's definitely going to be consequence for him knowing who common writer like zero one is. I like think there's definitely a chance later on. We just get like a him, beating the shit out of of like somebody that we like like and just having a real time of it because he definitely seems like he's gonna reach a point where he's like okay i guess it's time to to kill aruto i'm not sure like it's not gonna be like a linear thing him joining the team i think it's gonna fluctuate what do you think of um the main reveal though of um go's dad trying to save that city and going down with the ship. Cause I really like that. So what do you think of uh, that bit at the end where we see them get that um, one piece of the um, old memory drive? Yeah. It's more secrets to be unveiled. I don't really know uh, what's on there. Uh, I'm really interested in seeing that, but uh, I'm still guessing that, um, Aruto's gonna have some bad news about his his parents. <laughs> I think something. I think they really did something bad. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, we see Anna fighting back against being like infected with like the like evil network. That's cool to see. Yeah. And um, just to see, okay, twelve years ago, this purple common rider shows up and takes credit for what's happening. I'm not sure if the credit is all his to be sure, but mm-hmm. um, just that was like a strong scene of this kid finding out that like his dad is not this coward or like this person who um, caused people harm, but actually was like heroic. Oh, maybe that mystery writer is the guy that you was working for. I don't know. I'm, there's so many mysteries to be unveiled in this show. I freaking love it. <laughs> like, we don't know anything yet. <laughs> no, yeah. I think that we're definitely on course to have more mysteries, like, prop up and more characters and more conflict. I don't know who that mystery person is. We see who the mystery writer is. It's um, Hirobi, the um, leader of Jinra.net. He was the guy on the screen doing the, like, we're about to destroy everything. That was him. 
Uh, we see him um, when Anna gets killed off. We see. Nope. I mean, in a like flashback video, when the kid finds out uh, that his dad was a hero, the the uh, the guy in a rider suit that was like uh, prepared to be taken over or whatever. I'm trying to figure out who that guy is. Uh, I'm not sure because like aren't those the same suits though? So like it might be a different person in the suit, but okay. that same suit was the uh, scorpion one in purple that he was wearing when he killed Anna. Yeah, I, I was just I didn't know if they're like didn't age at all because you know that I don't know how long that was ago, but that's how I was looking at it. Yeah, I'm not sure. We don't know his age. He looks like he's 19, maybe 24. I'm not sure okay. if he could pull off being. Maybe he was like 16 then and he's 28 now. That's maybe doable. Because Daybreak happened when uh, when Azuma was a kid, right? Yeah, 12 years ago. So that guy couldn't be the same age as he is right now. Unless he's part robot. Is uh, robot that explains or... it. That would explain it. Who knows? They can get kind of weird sometimes their ages in this show. Okay. He could be 43 for all we know. <laughs> So one thing I do want to talk about that is very important is at the end, we see um, another joke from Aruto and we see like Hisama's reaction. How would you describe it? I don't know what's more funnier, like Aruto's jokes or Zamu's faces of when he tries not to laugh. <laughs> like he makes these faces that makes you, make you want to laugh at a joke. I believe the joke was like, don't sweater it. <laughs> and then he's like trying his hardest not to laugh and I'm just waiting for the episode that we finally see him just laugh in front of Rudo and then Rudo's like ah I am funny and um, like we couldn't quite tell in the past couple episodes until now for sure that he wasn't just angry but he was yeah. like breaking up he was like laughing off screen like after like it fades to black it was pretty good that was mm-hmm. that was fun yeah and we see um one thing is I think that there are going to be consequences for Aruto because so far he's he's done the right thing, but kind of like rashly. He's definitely gone out and said, here's what's happening. There's like a terrorist group. Here's what happened 12 years ago. Our product went wild because of a terrorist group. Like he's doing the right thing and he's not really assigning blame to his company or like putting them – as to blame he's definitely making them he's definitely exposing the public to things like i wouldn't be surprised if maybe he starts getting some pushback from like the board of directors or like having some like real enemies that are coming from his own group yeah and you already had that one that one guy that wants his seat in the company so you got to watch out he has to watch out for like backstabbers and maybe people stop supporting the human gear movement because they find out all the stuff that happened 12 years ago. So who knows what's going to happen with that plot line that, well, that is something to keep an eye out on. Or even just, um, Oh, you mean that this integral part of our workforce, um, that not a lot of people are convinced are fully sold or hearted, um, can be turned with like a little tentacle into like a monster. That's not good. Yeah. Yeah, it's so easy for them to get turned into uh, Magyars. Too easy. What? There's maybe like 
nine characters in the main cast and like seven that matter. We have um, like we have like Aruto, we have like Izu, we have like Isamu, we have Yua, we have the vice president Jun, we have his lackey and his robot, and then we have um, Hirobi, the leader of the bad guys who we saw kill somebody as like a Gaelic common rider, and then we have Jin, who from the opening we know is going to be a common rider, and he's the one that's very childlike and laughs while he's killing people so where do we really stand like on like these characters maybe minus the lackey and the robot for the vice president like at the end of these episodes i think that every character so far brings something to the conversation for sure uh you could definitely do a character study on pretty much everybody on the show so far you have your characters that are complex you have your characters that are there for comedic relief you have your characters that are there to be the uh, monster of the week you have your characters that are you question their intentions it's like every character in the show so far is interesting even though we're kind of down on azuma at the point or at this moment i feel like he still has a chance to uh become one of our favorite characters it's still kind of early in the show for us to be out on him um i have uh i have an idea that he could possibly do some really cool things in the future but uh, all the characters are really interesting so far. And uh, like we mentioned earlier, uh, the characters that are like the human huma gears that get turned into my gear so far, those are really interesting. Even the, ki- the kid actor in the show or the episode today was really interesting. So um, I'm a fan. What do you think? I think that um, it's like a really tight cast and like a really tight like story so far. And like partially it might just be coming off last year's story was a time travel multiverse 20 year anniversary where they're trying to get back actors from 20 years of shows to do like weird stuff. And it, this feels like from the suits to some of the character stuff to like the story stuff feels like they're just trying to be simple, but execute well, just like go very like hard and fast on things that are simple. And like, it's working so far. And like, as much as like, we might say like, oh, like this one character, he's just there to cause strife and just like pour gasoline on situations. That's not <laughs> that's not bad in like a cast of like like right now like seven major characters. That there's maybe like one like even the um, like vice president character. He's both not as slimy and like not as interesting or like not as um he's fairly interesting because he's kind of benign like if he had been slimier i might not have liked him as much but he's like in this episode we saw him say there are some things that like must be kept in the dark for the company Mm -hmm. and like even he's got some hidden depths or like he makes sense so so far that's a pretty solid cast and i like do want to see more about like the other companies or the government to see like what the world state is, I guess. But for like four episodes, we got a pretty good sense of our cast and our world. Yeah. I'm, I'm really into everything about this show so far. And, uh, I'm glad you brought me on board, uh, for this journey into discussing this, uh, uh, show. And, uh, I'm starting to get the gist of the, the Taku genre. 
Um, a little thing, a few things are a little confusing for me, but for me being a newcomer and an, uh, four episodes in, I have a really good understanding of the direction of the show and uh, what it's about. But uh, so far, so good. Yeah, and um, I think that this is just one of many shows. There are a good probably half dozen major shows airing just this year, maybe more like in this like rough like filmmaking style like genre and um yeah i think this has just been a very solid place to start and i didn't know going in because there have definitely (laughs) been some shows that have done a bad job at starting or just existing so this is a (laughs) not bad one to be at yeah and i hope everybody that's listening to our pod is enjoying it as well let it, let us know if you guys are uh, liking it on our uh, Twitter. And um, at um, podcast at commonrightofme.com, we can take questions as well. And uh, starting on episode three, and by episode three, I mean number three, we will um, start looking towards questions as well. Yeah, and let us know if you guys are enjoying the pod so far and if there's any topics or anything that you would like us to hit during uh, our journey into Common Rider 01. Right. And for this week, James, is there anything that like you want to plug? Oh, no. If you guys uh, are interested in you know keeping up to what I'm doing and what I'm watching or anything like that, you can find me on Twitter at PopcornNet. And uh, if you have uh, anything you want to ask me, you can also email me at popcornnet at gmail.com. But I'm pretty f- easy to find. I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and all the stuff at under popcornnet. All right. And for me, you can reach me at James Forge on Twitter. And uh, the podcast can be emailed again at um, podcast at commonridewithme.com, podcast at commonridewithme.com. And as always, um, Thank you to uh, Berserk for use of their song, um, Kamen Rider Love Song, from their self-titled album, Berserk. Awesome song, by the way. Oh, yeah, it's a great theme. Like, I'm really glad like, we could find them and reach out. And um, next week, we go on to episodes five and six, Manga Artist and his loss of passion. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I'm really stoked about this episode. Like, I'm a huge fan of anime and uh, manga. So I'm really interested in seeing the concept that they go with with this next week and uh for next week i'm going to bring something to the table that we haven't looked at yet but we can look at then and that is um some memes we have some hot dank fresh memes off of this show and we can see them now that we've caught up to the uh to the show itself and won't be spoiled i'm looking forward to that you kept that a secret for you man i'm looking forward to it (laughs) as always thank you for listening and you've been listening to common ride with me Have a good week. Peace.